Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first post-game of the season. I'm Roscoe, and I'm joined by fanalist Steph. And this is crazy because I think this is a year to the day and exactly how we started. You and I, after the first game of the season. Yeah, the OGs right back at it one year ago today. Oh my god, I cannot believe it's been one year, Roscoe. Like, time just flew by. No kidding. It feels like this is still a pet project, and now it's like very much a full time side gig that we've created. <laughs> like, there's no slacking on this now. And um, I mean, that was always the goal, but now that it's happening, it's a little uh, overwhelming at times, but it's been fun. So, uh, thank you everybody for supporting us. It's been a fantastic year of growth and meeting tons of people and getting to know my lovely co hosts. Yeah, I'm so glad to have this opportunity. And honestly, I thank you for inviting me on this show to begin with, because like I said early last season, um, the difference from, you know, joining the pod compared to other years, it's like I'm finally feeling a part of Leafs Nation and, you know, chatting with people as the game goes on and, you know, breaking down the game and everything else that came with that uh, throughout the last year. So, no, I'm so grateful. So, so grateful. Oh, well, thanks for joining me. Honestly, for those that are new here, Steph and I were in a fantasy league together and uh, kept blowing up our chat talking about the Leafs and realized we were the only ones talking so we decided to take it elsewhere and uh, yeah. that turned into do you want to do a podcast right and here we are 97 yeah. or 8 episodes later I don't know we're almost at 100 though yeah I know surreal and meeting Beaner and Darty along the way introducing Southey into my life like I only knew this guy from fantasy so oh it's been great and yeah just I'm speechless. Like, this is just a dream come true, being a Super Leaf fan. And I don't know. It's just full circle in a sense, you know, like that missing thing in your life. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, this is the part where if I had the rights to it, you would hear um, a familiar guitar tune followed by, um, I'm going to change the words, goodbye, sunshine, my new buddy. <laughs> I, I'm being yeah. overly protective. I can probably say more than that. But uh, hello, darkness, my old friend. The Leafs Aww. blow a lead in the first game of the season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And against Montreal in Montreal. Yeah. Well, we, we just have to remember, right? You know, every time a team faces the Leafs, it's kind of like the Stanley Cup finals for them. Like every player brings their A game, like their goal in their NHL career is to beat the Leafs and win a cup. So I don't know. Like I knew that little leprechaun was going to score tonight. Like you just knew some things were going to happen, but I had higher hopes because in the Matthews era, the Leafs are five, five and one in the opening game of the regular season. And in the JT era, we are undefeated. And also on the road, last time we were on the road, 
that's when Maddie scored his four goals. So I was really confident. I was like, damn, look at these, look at the D on this other team. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) So, (sighs) yeah. Begins the size. (laughs) To get into the game, honestly, I mean, it looked like a first period of the regular season. Everybody was kind of sloppy on both sides. Uh, but really, the penalties the Leafs were taking is the standout thing. Like right away, we're in the first, what is it, like 12 minutes of the game and they've already taken three penalties and not good ones. Yeah, Le- Leafs already leading the league in penalty minutes, like game uh, one. What the hell? <laughs> but yeah, what was with that geo pinch and interference call right off the bat? I I didn't really think anything of it, but I guess we're having those nightmarish flashbacks from the playoffs and the hall pinch and... This is kind of not exactly what happened, but it happened along the boards. And I don't know, Gio just kind of stopped up and it the arm just went straight up. So I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and it's funny. It was just before he got the puck there, which is why it was interference. And I thought it was interesting that the Josh Anderson hit on Riley was, uh, you know, after just after he got rid of the puck. So that's OK. But, uh, you know, things yeah. happen. But... So the um, the power uh, the power kill was not out tonight, to say the least. Um, they, they I mean they killed the penalties, but did not look like they were trying to generate any offense. Which I mean, granted, it's the first period of the first game of the season. I'm not expecting much, um, but it didn't look like what we saw develop last season. And I'm sure we can get back to that. But you know, we uh, we really got on that power kill train, man. Yeah, I really hope this team gets back on that power kill train. I mean, we did not change our uh, PP1 unit. We have massive changes to PP2. And the PK, you know, you guys, you have guys like Yarncroak, Ingval, Marner. Like, you expect great things, especially Kampf back there as well. Uh, I found on the first PK, Yarncroak was challenging and Muzzin actually laid someone out, if you want to talk about a plus to his game tonight. But yeah. hey, the Leafs limit <clears throat> excuse me, the Leafs limited them to zero shots. So no complaints there. Yeah, and I gotta say, like the shots that they did end up facing in the first period, Murray looked really good. Like he was Real calm. Good. And to quote Mike in the soon to be released article, calm, cool and collected, man, like he was he was really solid out there and uh, it was promising. But, you know, of course, Suzuki and Caulfield had to ruin the party. But yeah, I got to say for an 826 save percentage tonight, it did not look like that at all out there. I thought Matt Murray had an awesome game and y'all know how much I fucking hated the Matt Murray trade. So (laughs) of course I want this guy to succeed, especially if he's going to take that one a position on the Leafs roster. But honestly, I thought he was great and it all came down to fucking uh, just losing the puck turnovers, turnovers, sloppy, sloppy play, (laughs) horrible, horrible turnovers. Oh my god! Like, I don't know. It just one thing Here, after to sandwi- another. To sandwich it with something good. Uh, did anybody have Michael Bunting scoring the first goal of the season? I didn't. Right. I was happy. I have him on my inside the rink fantasy team. Get at yeah. me, boys. We spoke a lot about, you know, if Bunting's going to maintain that first line position and uh, like what would happen if he didn't. So I'm so glad Bunting broke the ice tonight, you know, gained some confidence on that top line. But 
gotta say Marner and Matthews were they were there but they were like I don't know I noticed bunting a lot more on that line tonight me too and I heard in his um his intermission interview that uh he was saying it's nice to get that off your chest in the first game because then you're not worrying about it you can get to playing how you want to from here on out you're not focusing on I want to play my game but I also really need to just get that first goal of the season because once you do it's everything else you know the second one is whatever it's the first one that really matters so it's it's great for the guy that's going to be the support for that first line already has that so he can focus on setting them up um but really, I have to agree. Matthews and Marner, they were there, but uh, there was they the should... shot that Matthews had that came off the crossbar. Sorry, I keep mm. pausing and then interrupting you again. But. No, no, no worries. Um, honestly, I got to give them, I have to commend them all on that first goal. You know, <clears throat> Montreal wins the draw in their offensive zone. Bunting's like, fuck that. He sees that the puck is by Savard, and Savard cannot hold that line at all. Just rushes up, takes the shot. That line's able to retrieve the puck and get the cycle going. Brody to Marner, below the net, pass right up in front to Bunting, right in. Beauty. Oh, it was fantastic. First uh, Leafs goal uh, scoring since uh, 2017, actually, in the season opener. All the last previous years, the uh, opposing team has scored first. Oh, interesting. Fun stat. Uh, So on to the second period. Um, Morgan Riley gets caught by Josh Anderson in the corner uh, very early on. Like, it was... 33 seconds for the goal so it was really the first rush of the period and riley's going all the way deep and i know this is part of what he does but it's one nothing in the first game at the beginning of the second period (laughs) where you guys are not really clicking offensively you haven't been able to set up any sort of passing play or you know zone control on montreal Mm -hmm. why did you think this was a good idea because he got caught lost the puck and it results in a tie game 33 seconds into the second yeah anderson completely just ragdolled riley in a sense (laughs) riley just got pushed off his skates so easily just went flying through the air and you know suzuki and caulfield did not miss on this two on one chance uh they had one chance in the uh, first period but to begin that second they were like "Uh uh-uh we're scoring this time and this play just created, you know, freeing up the puck in the defensive zone. They just rushed up the ice and did not miss. So, yeah, Caulfield, you know, gaining that confidence as well. And I'll, I'll see some, uh, you think he's going to be some or uh, pull some sneaky moves or have some, uh, what, what I'm trying to say, entertaining sellies. I think he's going to be one <laughs> to really put on a show, you know, if he's on a scoring spree. Man, I can't believe how quickly he developed after uh, Ducharme was like refusing to play him, and then they, and then they fire him, and then Saint Louis is like, "Hey, go uh, do whatever it was you wanted to do that you weren't doing." And the kid's scoring like crazy. Like we really don't know what this year is going to look like for him because we got such a small sample size of him playing his real game. So I'm excited for Montreal in that sense, but you know that pains me to say that definitely this kid can do wonders if he's left out in the open if you put the pressure on this guy 
don't give him a chance, right? Like he's a small statured guy. If you lean on him, he'll probably fall over. But that was the problem tonight. He was just wide open or with Suzuki just feeding him. So obviously, you know, that's why I said earlier on, even before the game started. Yep. He's scoring tonight. (laughs) Yeah. And it didn't help that, like we've been saying, defense was pretty shaky. We had a lot of people, uh, taking offensive chances when maybe they shouldn't have the next culprit of that was Jake Muzzin who decided um, he had a winger on either side of him and looked up and thought, nah, I got this. <laughs> I mean, I commended him for trying. It's not something you'd normally see him even attempt. So the fact that he looked and was like, no, nah, I can do this. I was like, okay, buddy, go for it. If you're going to score, he didn't, but it's a good try. Yeah. He um, looked up, saw Hoffman there and was like, okay, this is not a defender here. I can probably skate past this guy and hey I like you said I commend him for going end to end and taking that shot I would really love Muzz to use his shot like this guy has a really good shot so later on into the period or into the game when he had that weak weak pass out of the zone hot and ready pizza I was like no Muzz like it's hard and heavy time like we're not fucking delivering pizzas right now so (sighs) yeah we'll get to the third period debacle of uh, three and eight (laughs) so uh i bet the same people that had michael bunting scoring the first goal probably had dennis malgan scoring the second goal we'll say that right yeah equally as likely that you picked this uh but dennis malgan being a little net front crasher picking up some garbage i love it we love it. We need people like that. We need chain movers. Hell yeah. And the Montreal uh, Canadians were very confused on this play because, you know, they were going through the neutral zone, passing it easy goes, easy goes, it goes into the zone. You know, Nylander wants to put the puck on net and get maybe JT for the rebound, but JT goes past the net kind of fools the defender, Hall sticks by him as well, and then Malgin's on the doorstep just to tap that goal in. So it was perfect for that second line. Yeah, and honestly, they were the most uh, together line of anybody tonight, the ones that seemed to be clicking the best. I mean, you'd expect that from the first line because they were completely unchanged. I mean, the second line, you've got Malgin there, but it it seems like uh, Willie playing on the left instead of the right is better for him uh and having malgan on the on the right there has been great so i'll take it it's one of those things if it it works right out of the gate like don't change it yeah i agree and uh i was a little afraid at the end of the first and nearing the end of the second if malgan was going to get hurt because it seemed like there was a little scuffle in the first and then he took a huge hit in the second and I don't know. Every time this guy goes down, I think he's broken. So I just hope that he jumps up back on his feet and gets right back into the play. But I think injury would be my biggest concern with Malgan just from witnessing how he goes down tonight after a couple hits. Got another Andre Kasha on her hands. Is that what you're saying? Mm, maybe. And you know, living life on the edge and playing <laughs> dangerous, quick yeah. and fast, fast and loose. That third line right after the Malgan goal had a really great chance, you know, Ingvall to Yarncroak right in front. But of course, the whistle blows and Kerfoot is called for interference on Harris. And I'm like, shit. Yeah, they took a lot of bad penalties, man. Yeah, which led to bullshit. So the Leafs are way better than this. But game one, game one. 
Yeah, and I was excited to see what Yarncrow could bring. And my take of him from what I saw tonight was he looks good. He's just trying to figure out where he fits with the rest of the line. It seemed like he was kind of playing an island game, like putting himself in good positions, but kind of trying to figure out how the rest of the game was going to flow a lot. But uh, he's got it. I think it's just going to take, you know, maybe two, three more games. I think once the hesitation is gone and guys just jump right in there without kind of thinking about what what's the next play sort of deal, we'll see a huge difference. Because even with Ingval tonight, the beast was not unleashed. I mean, we saw way better last season. Like this guy Agreed. was playing very, I don't know, timidly and not using his body whatsoever. So I really hope the beast will be unleashed very soon. I did. I did like the fourth line, though. The um, yeah. Aston Reese and Abe Kubel were both really good. Yeah, I noticed uh, Abe Kubel a lot tonight. Throwing yeah. the bod, he had a three hits tonight. It seemed like way more. He was finishing all of his checks, and even if when he was skating away from a guy, he would just give them a really hard shove or like just lean all of his weight on them. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. A um, couple other notes in the second. Cole Caulfield scores again, uh, making that two goals in two periods for him after it took him like a bajillion games to do that last year. So, uh, yeah, big difference. Yeah, bunting, turnover in the offensive zone. Oh, my God. The play goes the other way. Keith, you know, punished him by taking off, taking him off that first line for a bit. And then he went back on the first line in the third period. So he was not happy about that. And I really don't want to say it, but Cole Caulfield might be the new leaf killer because he has seven goals, two assists in nine games versus the Leafs. I mean, sure. But I think once they get their stride, the Leafs are going to be a far better team than Montreal. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think like this was a really sloppy game for them. For sure. Totally, totally agree. But it's just those those same guys, you know, like mm-hmm. you face the team and it's like, damn, like you probably haven't scored in 12 games, but you're scoring tonight. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the, the thing that came out of the amount of penalties the Leafs took in the first two periods and this was pointed out by Mike in his article the leading uh, Leaf in ice time through two periods was Justin Hall because he's on the first penalty kill I assume Mm -hmm. was why yes Um, uh, let's (laughs) use that as a transition into the third period where Hall and Muzzin were not good like okay here's the thing it's game one I really hate to rag on them because it, this was a back and forth thing last year. Um, Mission 22, I know you're seething right now listening to me hate on them already. <laughs> Don't hate um, us. <laughs> but man, the, like I know everybody was rough, but those turnovers at the end of the game like literally cost the game. Like Muzzin dumping it into the end and then Hall grabbing it and shooting it into the chest of I don't remember. I think it was Suzuki who got it and fed it forward. Like mm-hmm. just awful, awful plays. Like I saw Muzzin watch the team come off the bench and group in and start to set up. And then he just dumped it in. Yeah. With, like what the fuck was that? Yeah. Muzz, you are way better than this. Like I love Jake Muzzin. Um, I'm just going to blame it on the game one rust, you know, but it just hurts a little bit more when you know that this Montreal Canadiens team 
hasn't won a preseason game and three yeah. rookies played tonight and like all of these little details when you look at it on paper you're just like ah fuck. like <laughs> i don't know on, but on their rookies that defenseman harris looked really good eh? for his uh first regular season game yes and they were also hyping up uh okay this name starts with an x so oh, <laughs> i'm already I, having problems i heard them say it a couple times me and too I, I don't remember it. X H E K A J. Um, Jikai. Okay, him. He. I thought he had a few good plays. Uh, there was a really bad turnover, I believe, in the second period. But for a rookie, not bad at all. Twelve forty-seven tonight. Um, hey, there's lots of room on that team to grow. So good on them. But. Back to the Leafs, honestly, like, you know, Nathan pointed out some things in his article today for the pregame article and um, some of the things he was looking at, you know, first of all, Murray's debut with the Leafs. Like, what is this Curtis Sanford's magical work from, you know, the past years and is it going to work now? And, you know, is he going to handle the pressure? And then, of course, Yarncroke's gameplay. We talked a little bit, bit about that. But um, Sandine also playing the right side. I saw Sandine get laid out once in this game, and it did not look pretty behind the net. I don't know if you caught that, Roscoe. I did not. Yeah, Damn. but he seemed okay. I mean, the last time he played on the right side was with Riley and the top pair, and that was kind of a disaster. But having that security of Geo really... I don't know. Like tonight, I barely noticed Sandine. It was probably for the better. The only time I noticed him was the penalty he took in the first where he slid and uh, tripped Anderson or whoever it was. But yeah, it was a TJ Brody gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And the other two things he pointed out, you know, Tavares return from injury and then the Leafs special team. So I thought JT had a couple good chances. Well, especially on that Willie goal to tie everything up. Oh my God, way to get your heart racing. Yeah, like I said, the second line was probably the best one the Leafs had tonight, which is promising because they were the least consistent that should have been the, like the second most consistent on the team. So uh, that's promising and good things out of Matt Murray, regardless of the score. So I guess the real question is uh what do we see out of samsonov tomorrow so that's to be yeah, seen definitely uh sean monahan scoring on his birthday happy birthday buddy forgot you were hab um oh, but that so just, did I. right and it just goes to show like that poor muzzin play at the end and of course it's like final minutes of the game and you're scrambling for the puck and you know the, the harris shot gets through and rebound comes right back up to monahan so no chance on the actual play, but it could have been avoided to begin with. Exactly. Then we had the yeah, high Murray hopes. had no chance on those. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, Matt Murray wasn't to blame. But, you know, high hopes with Willie. That was an awesome goal. Like um, two on one, JT rushing up the ice, feeding Willie. Does not miss. But then Josh fucking Anderson, this <clears throat> other leaf killer guy. <laughs> yeah. Who has like his 10 good games 
in a year against the Leafs or whatever. And Muzzin, again, unfortunately, hot and ready pizza. You know, empty netter, 14 seconds left in the game. Can't do much, so Leafs lose 4-3. to three. Womp womp. But game yeah. one. It's okay. No panic. <laughs> no panic. And honestly, I think they came out underestimating what Montreal was going to bring, and... <sighs> I did too. I thought they were going to just destroy them tonight because mm-hmm. we saw a, really just a fraction of what this team is this year. So I think they're going to rebound quicker than people expect. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, in a playoff spot this year, like a wild card or anything like that. But I think they're going to finish higher than maybe I had predicted on our last episode. Yeah. And it's just frustrating, right? Because when you look at all the stats, you know, each team had four power plays. Uh, Each team hit, you know, had 19 hits. Uh, Leafs with 15 blocks, the Canadians with 23. Canadians with 23 giveaways. The Leafs only had 11. So, you know, the dot was pretty even 49 to 51 leading leading towards the Habs. It's just these are the points you think of later on in the year that you're like, oh, damn, if we had those extra couple points, we might have finished first overall, you know, or had that home ice advantage or I don't want to be too yeah. negative right now. OK, no, I, I know I'm not trying mean, to be negative, but hey, it always comes back to what happened to the Jays last season where they missed the postseason by literally a game. So, yeah, you know, it always matters. Should um, we go to the Twitter questions? One more thing I wanted to talk about that I tweeted and I got mixed response to. Some people said oh. they didn't notice and some people said it was extremely distracting. So ah. did anybody see, <clears throat> pardon me, the new Twitter ad, or not Twitter, the new board ads. So they're able to digitally replace the ads on the boards instead of just the glass now. So instead of what we were seeing last season where there was some big distracting glowing thing on the the glass that wasn't there in real life. They've moved that down to the boards. So if you (laughs) saw that there was a giant Scotiabank or Bombardier thing that looked like it was so spread out that it was easy to read and took up the entire quarter of the rink, that's because (laughs) it was digitally placed there, superimposed. That's the word I was looking for. So I noticed it most with Bombardier, Scotiabank, Hockey for All, and... Uh, there was one more. I forgot. Pizza, 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 pizza. Probably. So what was weird about it is that it's not perfect. Like you can see the, the spots where some of the other ads are. It's like gray kind of like coming through and it's distracting because I'm I knew it was going to be there. So I was looking at how distracting it was going to be. And I was like, oh, shit, this is bad. <laughs> um, as it wraps around the boards coming towards the bottom of the screen too, the perspective is weird. Like it doesn't match how the boards would actually wrap around if it was on there because mm-hmm. that's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, it's made to be easier to read because it's an ad. Uh, and also when it cuts down to the lower camera on the ice, they can't change it. So you see all these other like Tim Hortons and whatever ads that are on the boards in Montreal and then it cuts back out and those ads are gone. And it's like, I know that's a silly thing, but it's one of those things that you shouldn't be watching for. Like you shouldn't notice these things. You should be watching the game. Like anytime that these are taking away, like to be fair, a couple people responded saying they didn't notice this at all. And maybe I'm just nitpicky, but there were equally probably, I think it was about four and four or five and five that said it was extremely distracting. So 
Yeah. I yeah. agree. It is distracting. You notice those little things, especially when it's digitized and not lining up right. Uh, I mean, when we had the uh, curve foot penalty shot, I think that's when I noticed it the most because you're more zoomed in on the ice and I could really see mm-hmm. what's going on. And I noticed Harris from one of our uh, group chats was really pointing it out. I'm like, hey, yeah, now I can't unsee it. Right. And it's just another distracting thing on the ice. I mean, we had to witness those RBC logos tonight. Um, the milk looked pretty good, but when you have a flashing or, you know, digitized screen on your eyeballs on top of other screens, it's even more straining. I don't know. It's too bright. Yeah. And I just double checked. It was exactly four people for and four against. So 50-50 is not a good ratio, even though it's a, I mean, it's a really small sample size, but that's alarming that like potentially, you know, 30 to 50% of your audience is going to notice this and be like, yeah, that's fucking annoying. Like they got to fix this or, you know, I get it. I'm for anything where they are making money because in turn that will raise the cap. Like if they're able to sell, you know, instead of just the ads in the arena, but then to each broadcast market. So they're selling that ad again to TSN and to um, Sportsnet and then to, you know, uh, Billa Sports and I don't know, whatever the 400 different sports networks in the States that are all owned by like five companies. But um, you know what I mean? If they can put different ads in all those different places, you're selling the same space from, you know, two once to two to 10 times. So I get it, but it's too much. Like soon players are going to be selling their organs just to not get waved. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like what else is there going to be? And it was kind of expected. Then you had the NFT thing and like that was a fucking fail. So they had to do something, yeah. right? <laughs> well, they do this in baseball already because it's easy to change. Like if you're looking at the batter with, the you know, the standard pitcher batter camera. Uh, those they're not moving, right? Like that camera's stationary. So they can easily switch those out. Nobody's moving in front of it. What makes hockey difficult is people are constantly skating back and forth in front of these. And it's that movement that has made it uh, this weird kind of digitized format that took them till now to figure out. And it's not perfect. So mm-hmm. they either got to improve it or uh, pull it off until it works. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, the last thing you want to see is some sort of glitch uh, while you're watching the game or, you know, the players looking like they're playing in front of green screens because something screwed up. So, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, last thing before we go to questions. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because uh, we will do more on it on another episode. But uh, the entire board of directors of Hockey Canada has a formally resigned. Finally, holy shit. Finally. It's about time. Uh, so hoping for better things ahead. And thank you. I already tweeted this, but thank you to Rick Westhead for your work and everybody else uh, for m- making sure that people are held accountable. So Endless it came down things. to it came down to money. But hey, the journalism is what brings it to the news, which is what in turn pulls the sponsors away. So once Bauer and Nike pulled out, they were like, well, that's our gear and our jerseys. So we got nothing. Then Tim's pulled out. They're like, damn, that's our coffee and Timbits. We're definitely done here. <laughs> yeah. And they lost um, Canadian Tire permanently. So oh, that's I mean, a huge one. In Canada. But... 
Yeah, no, honestly, it's a long time coming. The hearings were absolute bullshit from the small glimpses that I caught anyways. You know, it's just the blame game back and forth. And, you know, the guy who stepped down previously should have did years ago and not even um, voted in again. So it's brutal, brutal, brutal. I know we'll go into more death on this later. Yeah, I just I want to wait till everything's out and we, uh, yeah. we see what's going to become of it and we can really spend time on it. Yeah. Um, questions. Let's go to questions. Questions. So we have Terry Luttrell and also Nick. Uh, similar comments just saying, Muzzin and Hall, absolutely horrible. Can we send them both to the island? Muzzin and Hall were terrible. <laughs> yeah, and Mike in his article as well said that they are a non-option. Mm-hmm. So this is something that we struggled with all through last year. And what it keeps coming back to is, well, management and coaching like them. Yeah. Okay. Why? Like it's it's starting to get to that point where it's like, I get that there's people that are, you know, um, they go out and do those coaches uh, what you, what is it in NHL where like when you're playing the be a pro mode and the little thing comes up and it's like go out there and hit somebody. It's like the little coaches' ch- um, uh, tasks. Those oh, things. Okay. Every time you go on the ice, it's like a little specific task from the coach. It's like, hey, you should oh. go out there and do this. Like, like a I get that there's yeah, I get that there's guys that like always do the things that the coach needs, and they're like, yeah, I, I would like the guys that listen to me. Um, yeah. at some point like they really have to reevaluate how they're like pairing these guys and why, like look at the game tape, like who is okay with this? Cause it, you know, we gave them an off season and I know this is one game and it's not honestly that fair to judge how they're going to play the season off of this, but my God, you wanted to see them take a step and this is much more of the same. Keith had high regard for Hall coming off the preseason. You know, he really praised Hall, saying that he was always that guy to break out into that first touch pass and uh, retrieving pucks. I mean, clearly he's trusted with his shorthanded time on ice. Uh, 328, we had Brody at 346 and Muzzin at 256. Um, I'm really hoping for Hall and Muzzin to bounce back, okay? Like, especially in the preseason Hall goal. Whew, that was nice. Right, and, and he was getting better offensively to the, towards the end of last season. And, I mean, Muzzin was picking it back up in the playoffs. So that's what I mean. Like, I was expecting them to come out of the gate this year looking improved. And there's a difference between playing, like, sloppy and, like, actually making number of bonehead moves in one game Mm -hmm. yeah there's no excuse on that soft soft pass by muzzin out of the d zone you know to break out the puck like this guy is a veteran but you know we can't just blame everything all at once i'll give them the break shake off the rust you know you're (laughs) recovering from your back injury muzz but it there's guys ready and waiting to play so the competition is tight it's tough and it's the thing right if they don't stay or they don't play to stay, then I don't believe they'll stay. It. I know there's injury, but uh, I don't know. Like, I think the league is just getting too good for these guys. Like, how many guys were, were we surprised about getting waived? And I know we have the cap situation, but, like, 
some of those guys used to be top six guys and now they're fucking getting waived. Like, I think this league is just getting way too fast for some players. Yeah, you're seeing less of a fall off in the draft where like there's more middle of the pack guys that are of better quality than, you know, 10 years ago's middle of the pack guys. And they're yeah. starting to push all of them out. So you're Especially seeing a lot rookies. of guys that are like 28 to 35 that are like, I'm getting my spot taken by a 21 year old. Are you fucking joking? It's like, yeah, yeah, you are because they've been lifting and they've been watching the videos like on TikTok and shit that players before them are posting it's like they have access to so much more to learn from and so many like newer resources and players that have gone through this these things like every time there's a a wayne gretzky and then a crosby and a you know a matthews like you're just creating more stars for kids to look up to and it just creates more and more talent so yeah that's just what we're seeing if anyone like saw Steve Dangle's uh, prospect pyramid, <laughs> he had no one in that first tier for a reason. Like we have not seen a Matthews type player since Matthews in this organization. So, you know, these kinds of players are rare to come by, but at the same time, it's those really fast rookies who've clearly developed just coming into this league and taking over some older guys' jobs. So I'm not saying this is specifically happening with Hall and Muzz, but hey, once Lily is is um, healthy and then Dahlstrom or, you know, even Mete, who knows, right? Or one of the Marley's guys, they can easily come in and take the role. Yeah, and I think that's the difference between this year and last year is last year it was there's really not that much depth that's playable that's available to the Leafs and making a trade was not an option because there was no one on the market so now you have a couple extra depth pieces on defense that can challenge for those jobs and you know it just I think it just makes their um it it should light a fire under them like I I expect to see Hall play better because he doesn't want to lose a spot to somebody making you know less than half what he is not that that's a big impact but you know it it matters as far as the salary cap goes because if you're a two million dollar guy and an eight hundred thousand dollar guy takes your spot you're probably getting traded yeah exactly so So. uh next question ronnie at ronnie bobani says it's early but how soon is too soon to make a move on the d line just to tie in with what we're saying how soon is too soon to what sorry Make a move on the D line. So I guess oh. in the D core. Um, too soon? It's, I think it's too soon, obviously now because of the first game. But I think there's also a number of injuries that are forcing Keefe's hand to kind of go with what is already established instead of trying something new right now because the pieces that you would do that with are hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much else to do with Sandine than put him with like, are you going to put him with Muzzin? Are you going to put him with Hall? No, he's going to be with Giordano for developmental reasons. Yeah. Uh, you're going to put Muzzin or Hall on the first line with Bro- uh, Riley? No. So this is kind of what you're left with because everybody else is hurt. So mm-hmm. by that, I kind of get it. It depends on how long we're going to see um, Lilligren and company out because, you know, if it's just going to be this for two months, that's not a great way to start the season. So yeah, uh, we'll see how the next week or so goes. If they're still playing like this every night, then I'm going to say, yeah, but I, I don't expect that. Yeah. I'd say give it a month. And 
I know that seems like a long time, but, you know, as time goes on, we accumulate more cap space as well. So, you know, wait it out a little and then we can call some guys up and play around with the lineup. Yeah, and I think the Leafs, not that they can afford a whole month of questionable play, but I mean, they kind of can, you know? Yeah, because they had an excellent year with uh, Hall and Muzzin previously, then a horrible year, and they still broke records. So it's definitely possible. But uh, moving on, uh, Sleep Away Camp Morgan says, Murray up high, dot, dot, dot trouble or just game one so no worries and then another person asked ben underscore 10 thoughts on matt murray how long until there's a derby with samsonov um i mean obviously we got to see what samsonov has tomorrow night against washington but am i concerned about the glove on murray oh no i mean he was kind of left to like hung out to dry with some pretty talented shooters between caulfield and suzuki uh there were bad turnovers which means people aren't in the right positions and i think it it was just a bad play from the team like if the team is solid and they're controlling the offensive zone and the chances that come back the other way are controlled properly the way that the leaves normally play when they're on their game i don't see it being an issue but if you're going to make mistakes then you're obviously going to give the other team a chance to score and they made a lot of mistakes tonight unfortunately and Montreal is fast enough and young and talented enough, apparently, on a, a couple people at least, that uh, they were able to capitalize on it. So, Yeah, and Ben, to answer your question first, I know you're a new listener since you joined our Fantasy League. Um, in the beginning, I did not like the Matt Murray trade just from the stats. And, you know, he won Cups five-plus years ago, and it just went all downhill, it seemed. This guy only had five wins last year all like ever i had a whole fucking paper written on it and these guys argued with me but i've gotten on the murray train and i'm team murray you know mo dog or mer dog whatever you want to call him so tonight just analyzing the game honestly i thought he played solid when he was challenged he did really well especially when he was sprawled out post to post you know leaving no gaps there um, oh, like Ross- when he shut Kirby Doc down on that wraparound, yeah, when he just held yeah. that, we, I can't believe we didn't talk about that, where he just held the line on that wraparound and they tried right. to review it. Right. Oh, so- actually, that reminds me of another thing. Sorry. On no, the review no. thing, I did not know that you can call your timeout and coaches challenge simultaneously to extend the time of the challenge as Martin St. Louis did when they tried to challenge Willie being offside. Uh why are you allowed to do that? Yeah. I thought they were I trying did. to cut down on coaches abusing like these things and delaying the game. And you're supposed to lose your timeout if it's wrong. So how can you use the timeout to ex- like this just contradicts the entire base of the fucking timeout losing part of the role. Like <laughs> if he makes the challenge and it's correct, he keeps it. But if it's wrong, yeah. he loses it or he can use it while he makes the challenge. So they just are forced to look at it longer and potentially just come up with the idea that they convince themselves that it's offside because they've watched it enough times. Like, Learn something new every day. And that's what I learned tonight as well, that you can do that. So Stupid, stupid <laughs> fucking rule. Okay, it, back to the question. All, 
Honestly, I'm Team Burry until something screws up or injury happens. Uh, I don't want to wish injury on him, of course, but um, obviously, you know, I made a take earlier in the summer that Samsonov will, you know, steal 1A away from Matt Murray. Um, steal as in Matt Murray's going to have it for a little while and then something happens like injury and then he comes back, but Sammy's just too good to give it up. So we'll see. Um, still so short. Can't really say right now. But preseason looked great. So, yeah, staying did positive. Did you know that Sam Sonoff is younger than Eric Shelgren? Yes, I did, actually. Isn't that fucking crazy? We call him baby goalie. And we're like, oh, Sam Sonoff is like reclamation project. It's like, what? I told you guys that on an episode that we have a new baby goalie. New baby baby goalie. Yeah, so honestly, I have high hopes for the fact that they've got somebody who has potential lockdown for a little bit. Yeah, and so this they got guy... them for th- three years or two. Um, one. one. Was it only one? One year, prove crazy? it to me, deal. Okay, uh, well then, keep Murray going. has the extra year. But yes, yeah, but that just comes from the Ottawa deal. Okay, just to wrap things up here, Luke Man, hello team. So are we ready to be hurt again? In all seriousness, it's just one game. Who will be the first to get the blame though? And then Maple Leaf fan, just want to add this in because it's kind of similar. We outshot them 32 to 23 and still lost 4 to 3. I've heard this story before, haven't I? I'm venting more than a question, just frustrated. Same old story, being outgoalied. Of course, it's not all Murray's fault, but an 826 save percentage is not good enough. Yeah, I wouldn't say this was a goalie off. Like, it was the Leafs didn't have that many quality chances. Like, Matthews hit the post on one. The other ones went in. Malgan almost scored a second one. Other than that, there was not really a good chance to score. Like, sure, the penalty shot would have been nice. And maybe if Muzzin had been able to score on the the kind of one-on-one there he had, like, sure. But those Mm -hmm. aren't gimmies. Like, I don't think that um, Jake Allen was really... Like, he made some good saves and he was lucky. Like... Even the commentators were pointed out. He wasn't moving on some of these. Like they show the replay and he just happened to be in the right spot. He was just, he didn't move. He was there and the puck hit him. And I made the joke that it looks like the, um, you just turn the the Montreal Canadiens logo sideways and it's a horseshoe because that's what Jake Allen was wearing tonight. (laughs) Lucky fucker. Well, the good thing about Muzzin today, uh, aside from going end-to-end once, was that he had six blocks. So who knows if one of those would have went in because um, I noticed even on the Matthews attempts and Marner attempts, Nylander, everything was getting blocked, especially on that last power play opportunity. Yeah. Um, the first power play unit could not get set up the entire game until the final power play and everything's just, you know, David Savard, I got to see how many blocks this guy had because um, he was blocking oh, yeah, they like were crazy. Dropping. He had nine blocks. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> nine what? blocks. Yeah. So Bro. pick him up for fantasy guys. <laughs> Bro, what? I guess when yeah. you're not confident in your goalie, you just like give up yeah. the body. But man, Riley Maybe had a good believe- block too. 
Yeah, Maple Leaf fan, I share your frustration. I think we just have to be reminded that it's game one. But of course, we know these points also count. So we just got to shake off the rust and hope that our third and fourth line finds their groove as well and get positionally sound with their new line mates. And yeah, honestly, long road ahead. 81 more games. I'm, I'm positive. You know, this team is great. We're still super deep. Um, I think Matthews is still scoring 65 plus. So even Marner, 40 for Marner, guys, like it'll be close. And normally I wouldn't give the Leafs the advantage in a back to back. But when it's the second game of the season for them, it's the first game for Washington. I would give the Leafs the advantage because they've gotten to shake that rest off from the first game and lose to Montreal and be like, okay, fuck this. We're not losing again. Like that was stupid. We played like shit. We've been made to watch the game tape on the flight all the way here. I'm not. Like, we're not doing this. Yeah. So I feel like they're going to come out and kick the shit out of Washington. Hell yeah. And I I think some guys will think tonight, like, hey, that kind of sucked getting pushed to the ice. I hated being pushed off that puck. Like, I'm not going to be soft anymore. Like, I'm not just going to stand there and take it. Like, maybe I'll move my feet a little bit quicker and realize, like, okay, it's real game time now. I'm facing, you know, top NHL teams. I mean, tonight is a different story. But when they do, it's not going to be pretty if they don't, you know, cut off this loosened play and sloppy, sloppy play. Okay. Um, I have an update to the board's uh, ads Ooh. thing. Okay. So this is this is from at Ninkwood, uh, who just replied to me on Twitter who was watching the Vancouver Edmonton game and said they've just started strobing during the first period. Final straw for me when I have to worry about epilepsy. Are you fucking joking, guys? Like, you can't broadcast flashing lights like that. Like, if the technology isn't there yet, don't implement it. I feel like they rushed to some trade show with their advertisers and being like, look what we can do now. And they took on a bunch of money and they're like, we can do this, right? And their tech team was like, we didn't say for this year, you dicks. What? <laughs> How much money did you take? And they're like, oh, we sold all of it. We sold all of it. Oopsie. Oh, so no. like, that's what I feel like happened. There's no other explanation because this is not ready. This shouldn't have been put out there. It's like, it looks like it's barely been tested. Like if all this is happening on game one, like what tests were you running? Put this yeah. on some like non-television broadcast college games or something to try it out. Like, my God, yeah. guys. Poor guy. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for that happening. Um, Yeah, there's no excuse. Like, it seems like they just found one setting. They're like, okay, this one doesn't create lines on the TV. Just keep the camera here and push this button. It will work. (laughs) Yeah, because it's one thing to be like, oh, it works under these circumstances. Okay, well, it's a sport and you're never going to be able to control anything or anywhere you want to point the camera. It's going to go wherever the game dictates. And yeah. if the technology can't follow that, then get rid of it. Okay. Yeah. Any more questions? Nope. Uh, we had Mike actually last second question, but it kind of tied into what we were talking about with Muzzin and Hall. He just quickly said, um, Muzzin Hall, Keith is going to get himself fired with that pair, isn't he? How does he like... not realize they suck? Ab- absolutely useless. This is what I was trying to say is like, at what point does it stop being the coach's boys and he just start treating them like any other player on the ice that's making countless mistakes? Like, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see Keep's face like he 
he's obviously not impressed, but maybe some of the good things outshine the moments in gameplay, which it should be the other way around. You know, he can have an amazing preseason, Justin Hall, but at the same time, I've seen so many discussions like, where are you going to find a right-handed top four defender for the amount we pay him anywhere else in the league? He's not a top four defender. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You can pay someone 750 grand and put them in that spot and say, where are you going to get a top four defender for 750 grand? You aren't. You just fucking put that person in the spot and said that they play there. Like he's yeah. not a top four defender on any yeah. team. <laughs> well, not on a, no teams because some teams have really bad top fours right now. But honestly, like some teams have really bad top fours. Unload him to one of those. Well, good news about our decor. Um, Morgan Riley entering his 10th season tonight. Uh, he did get a point. So that does mean he is the seventh blue liner in league history to register a point in seven or more consecutive season opening games. Wow. Woo-hoo. Good for Mo. Captain Mo. Captain Morgan. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So. Last thing I want to talk about, I caught uh, after the game. Did you see what happened to Patrick Line? I did see that he injured his arm or shoulder, but I did not see how it happened. Okay, so he scored and it was a rocket, like classic Line just picked a corner and put it there. And I don't know how much later it was, but within the same game, um, just took a weird hit in the corner where he kind of like hit it. it was like the back of his shoulder hit it and then he kind of scrunched in and I mm-hmm. think he pulled something in his shoulder and left the game and they have said it's an upper body injury so mm. uh, Johnny Gaudreau I hope you've got <laughs> a backup plan because your starting goalies out your backup goalie was out with the flu which probably means he has COVID, Ooh. but they don't want to say that. And uh, now Line's out? <laughs> yeah. Dude. Um, I was very tempted to draft Line late in one league, but I was like, no, there's literally no security in this position. Like, what if he goes down for half a year? I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> And then I saw it happen tonight, and I felt bad for him, but Gaudreau, I don't know. This he's supposed to be carrying the team on his back. Uh, this guy doesn't want to win a cup, clearly. But uh, here we are. So I have him on one of my teams. Luckily, it's the free one. Uh, nice. It says he logged seven minutes forty nine seconds of ice time and scored a goal eleven seconds into the second period before being forced out of the contest. Hopefully, yeah. it's nothing long term for Columbus's sake because that's like season killing for them if they lose Line A. And they're down Corpusalo, like <laughs> GG, you guys are done. Did you see that people were blaming the Leafs for the Blue Jays loss because Austin Matthews threw the first pitch at one game and it kind of cursed Get them? The fuck out of here. <laughs> because in September, Alex Manoa gave up only four earned earned runs over 41 innings in six games. In the last game, he gave up four earned runs in five innings. Okay. Um, the Jays had happened to them the equivalent of like the John Taveras thing, but like a little, I mean, not a little, but less serious. 
Um, and imagine Keefe also just randomly switched goalies in the middle of the game. That's basically what the Jays fucking did. So am I disappointed? Yes. Am I angry? A little more than that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, were you watching what happened when Bichette and uh, Springer hit each other? I was not. Okay, yeah. so bases are loaded and the Jays are up nine to six. Ball goes up in the air and Bichette is running backwards. Springer's running forwards. And there's another guy running in from the right. (laughs) The guy running in from the right looks and sees the two of them going for it. And he holds up. The rumor is that it is way too loud in this fucking stadium to hear anything. Mm -hmm. And they might have called for it. But, you know, my super, super, super amateur baseball take on this um, is that if you're running forwards towards the ball and someone else is running backwards towards the ball. It makes sense that you should give priority to the person running forwards, but they, the person running backwards can't see you. So if they, if you can see them and they can't see you get the fuck out of the way because Bichette ended up just running back like this with his arm up and Springer dove into his arm full speed so his head went into Bichette's elbow and Mm. knocked him like he was seeing stars man like they both so like imagine someone's head coming full force into your elbow and then your head hitting someone's elbow full force so of course they go down ball drops and uh three runs come home game's tied and it was toast after that oh damn I know it was random for me to bring it up but uh I had to touch on it at least once because high hopes for the Jays too right and I remember you giving me a mini rundown the beginning of the season uh when they acquired some new players I was like "Ooh, something to look forward to yeah they got even more throughout the season and it just they fired their um their manager who's also like I don't know how much familiar familiar you are but like the manager and coach are the same person in baseball oh so yeah I saw him on Twitter I think he follows me on Twitter (laughs) Oh, the old, the old one, uh, Gibson, yeah. Nice. So uh, Montoyo, they fired in the middle of the season. And I don't know how many teams who fire their coach in the middle of the season go on to win a championship. But, uh, I mean, the Jays weren't, weren't that far off of going for it. But yeah. it was kind of an unfortunate combination of, like, a really good team with somebody that wasn't really in the position to be managing a championship team. So. Hmm. It was too too little too late getting the new guy in there. That's just my opinion. I didn't watch a ton of the season, but that's it. Wow. Want to know something random? Sure. <laughs> when I went out west to visit my friend, um, she, you know, I had to ask her this question because, you know, people who go to Queens, for example, they rave about Queens. It's like the best university ever. People who used to work at the Toronto Zoo are the same. They always talk about the fucking zoo. So I remembered, I'm like, damn, Christine, do you know who Steve Dangle is by any chance? I know you don't watch hockey. Random question. Oh, yeah. You know Steve Glenn? I'm like, what? Oh, 
my god that's she, fucking amazing she's going on like yeah i worked with his wife uh steve used to drive the zoomobile she was a camp counselor with me because she's a teacher and my friend is also a teacher and they know each other and all of the pet bandanas that they have that is leafs related they actually purchased through my friend's small business called uh, fancy fellows so they oh, have that small God. partnership with each other and like she's been outside their house and like just a bunch of random ass shit. And like I even told you guys, so like I didn't even know Steve Dangle lived in Oshawa before, you know, because I don't listen to every episode. I don't follow the Dangle craze. So when I learned all of this and then I learned like before he lived in Oshawa, got that damn line tattoo that I kind of wanted. <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, like, what is going on right now? This guy used to be my neighbor, and I didn't even realize. <laughs> Again, That's my best wild friend that somebody knows them. And knows him as Steve Glynn. That's the best part, is like, I don't know anybody that knows who he is that knows him as Steve Glynn. Like, yeah. only people in his personal life would, and I only follow the hockey side of his life. So, And That's she has funny. them on Facebook, their personal Facebooks, oh like... God. They post more about like their move and other personal things I won't say on here. But yeah, it was just such like I kind of freaked out on the inside. And she's just talking like, oh, yeah, he uh, makes videos, right, about the Leafs. And uh, I'm like, yeah, and he's pretty fucking famous now. So <laughs> that's a huge contact for your small business. I thought that was awesome. So yeah, I have to dope. plug her business. Uh it's called Fancy Fellows. She handmades, makes everything from bandanas to bow ties to suspenders, keychains, literally thousands of prints you can choose from, but she definitely has the leaves. So check that out. Fancy Fellows. Love it. Check out Fancy Fellows. And yeah. uh, that's going to close our show off. Thank you so much for tuning into our one year anniversary. Thanks, Steph, for, uh, for doing it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I can't believe it's been one year and cheers to many more. Hell yeah. On that note, I won't be here tomorrow. I'm going to a comedy show. Um, so I'm probably going to miss the game. So if you guys want to do one, by all means, I will leave the studio open for you. I can edit it when I get home. But uh, okay. otherwise, we might see you after the next game. If not tomorrow, it'll be a surprise. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Oh, you know what? If you're listening to this on whatever po uh, podcast platform you are, go ahead and give us a rating, you know? Give us like that five stars. Leave us a review. Tell us uh, what you think. Thanks. And uh, check out Inside the Rink. And yeah, check out Inside I... the Rink. <laughs> and the articles. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? We should plug more things. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Josh and Somo and Nathan Bondi and Mike the Fanatic have all been writing for the Leafs on Inside the Rink. And um, go and check out their articles because Nathan's been doing the pregame and uh, Mike did a postgame tonight. And Josh has been doing the same. So uh, go and check out those articles. You will get them for every single game over on Inside the Rink. And you can subscribe to get all of them sent directly to you. That's all for tonight. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.